Welcome everybody to The State, the podcast where we talk about the state of key issues within the church. We're going to take our next step in this discussion on social justice by talking about the the topic of justice itself. So let's get on in. From everlasting to everlasting, I got you So obviously there's a lot to talk about when it comes to uh, social justice and there's more and more, um, I guess there's more and more uh, buzz about it as of late because, um, because as we live in a secular culture, uh, a, a, an increasingly secular culture, um, there's something ingrained in people that, that, uh, tells them they need justice, but there's something uh, rebellious in people. I think the scripture tells us this clearly, that um, we'll take whatever justice that we come up with, but we don't want God's justice. (laughs) We just don't want this. And I think a large part of this conversation on social justice centers around uh, rebellion, centers Mm -hmm. around rebellion against God. we have been uh, discussing the statement on social justice in the gospel, uh, and just as a uh, kind of a little bit of a refresher, this is uh, 13 points uh, on how social justice, this defined term in our world, uh, plays in, if it should play in at all, with the gospel. I uh, read a read an article not too long ago. I'll actually bring it up, but I read an article not too long ago from um, Tim Keller, who is a well-known pastor, uh, who was talking about social justice and in in some ways just kind of uh, arguing down this particular statement, although he's, a, he's of uh, a reformed persuasion, and many of the people who... Um, were authors of this particular statement uh, are very close colleagues with him. He um, he he kind of poo-pooed the statement, if you will, uh, by saying that it wasn't particularly what the statement said, but it was what the statement was doing. And so he gives this he gives this kind of idea of um, that that uh, you can say all the right things, but <clears throat> somehow the implications, what you're trying to do with the statement, divide the body of Christ, you stand here and we stand here, um, is, is unacceptable. The problem is you're making a large judgment of people's I hearts. I see his it, point, but right. I don't think that is what is happening. Right. Because if that's the case, then you could say that of the Bible. This draws a line see in what the it sand, says. and it's causing division. Yeah. So let's toss it out. Exactly. I see what it says, but but it's about what it's doing. It's like, well, it's God's. So <laughs> yeah, that's actually a, a brilliant point. Well, uh, Doug Wilson in his uh, blog um, at DougWills.com kind of takes on Tim Keller uh, in this and uh, addresses that Tim Keller seems to be uh, wanting to... Um, not be political, but by not being political, 
it's not what you say or don't say, it's what you're doing, right? He kind of tongue-in-cheek picks at him and says, and says, by not being political, you're being extremely political. And he points out yeah. something really powerful. He says, he says um, uh, Tim Keller right now is, is talking a lot about race relations and, um, and the atrocities of slavery, rightly so, um, but how effectively that we need to we need to repent for every family member we've ever had in the past that ever had any association with this um and doug wilson basically says that the reason why he's taking on a sin that's so old is because it's the politically expedient thing to do it's it's that's in vogue right now he said, but you notice that Tim Keller, who is a pastor in the middle of New York City, mm-hmm. won't take on Planned Parenthood and abortion, which would make him, uh, which would get him labeled as a, as a hateful person who doesn't care about women and their rights and all this. Meanwhile, it's you, still murder. You have to take a stance, though. Right. And you've got to pick a side that you're going to be on. Whether we like it or not, there is a line that's drawn in the sand. Yeah. There is a right and there is a wrong. There is morality and there is immorality. And whether people actually like it or not, this is what tells (laughs) us what that line is. But but again, we're we're back to that. We're back to the real core of all of this. And that is that, that at in our heart, I believe that it is the, I believe that it is the residue of that image bearing nature that we have, right? We're a product of the fall. We have to, we have to be clear on this as Christians, but that, that image that we were initially created with needs justice. Yet the sinful part of us wants to define justice our own way. What's expedient for me? What, what's beneficial for me? Or uh, whatever is, whatever I feel is just based on how my heartstrings have been pulled today. What's amazing, I think, about God's character is that both his, Scripture says that both his, um, his love and his anger are, um, they're, they're part of his nature, which is that they are, they are perfect, perfectly controlled. God doesn't fly off the handle in a fit of rage. No. When he is angry, and he, scripture says that he burns with indignation every day. It is a controlled fire and fury against immorality, as you brought up before. But when he loves, he is, he is love. <laughs> you know, he doesn't just get overwhelmed with passion for us one day. And then the next day he's like, sorry, the love, the honeymoon's worn off, right? <laughs> I'm grateful for that. <laughs> but so, so we've got this kind of, um, issue going on with social justice. And for me, uh, it really does come down to article three. It, I mean, it really, well, at least it, it, um, because social justice has justice in its name and as its heart, this idea is the, uh, the hinge, uh, of this whole matter. So, so I'm just going to read this uh, article first, and then we're going to go through some of the scriptures together. It says, we affirm that since he is holy, righteous, and just, God requires those who bear his image to live justly in the world. Who bears his image? All of us are image bearers. This includes showing appropriate respect to every person and giving to each one what he or she is due. 
We affirm that societies must establish laws to correct injustices that have been imposed through cultural prejudice. And we're going to read this in Romans 13 here in a bit. We deny that true justice can be culturally defined or that standards of justice that are merely socially constructed can be imposed with the same authority as those that are derived from Scripture. We further deny that Christians can live justly in a world under any principles other than biblical, the biblical standard of righteousness. Relativism, socially constructed standards of truth or morality, and notions of virtue, human virtue, and vice that are constantly in flux cannot result in authentic justice. So if we just looked at a couple of the pieces of that statement, um, since God is holy, righteous, and just, he requires holiness, righteousness, and justice. And we're, we're grateful as Christians who are saved by grace through faith. We're grateful that our, uh, our just position before God is established by Christ on the cross. Yet he has called us to, um, he's called us to bear a family resemblance right? So we're, we're like our dad. We're like our father. So children should look like their father. In this case, the apple not falling far from the tree would be a positive thing because <laughs> we often, we often mean that in a little bit of a derogatory term. Like if somebody screws up, we go, well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, <laughs> right? But in this case, hopefully the apples aren't falling far from the tree. Hopefully when we're redeemed, we begin to look like him. So thoughts on thoughts on his his nature and how we should live. Well, we're meant to duplicate. Uh, obviously, he created man and woman and said, "Be fruitful, multiply." That's in a physical sense, but we know when we are born again, the the great commission that Jesus That's said awesome. to his disciples before he went back to heaven was basically, "Be fruitful and multiply." Yeah, go he pro- said it again. Procreate. Yeah. Go make more of you. Yeah. It's fantastic. And and who are those people? Well, they can't just be random, you know. I'm, no, I'm going to make a disciple of those Nathan. Those that were following him already were to go copy themselves, make more disciples of, of Jesus, Jesus, not That's of themselves, the yeah. of Jesus. So God being holy and righteous and just requires many things of us. Uh, be fruitful and multiply. As Christians, be fruitful and multiply. You know, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations. Those are disciples of Jesus. Um, inside of that, he says, and I, I love that you brought up the Great Commission, because in that he says, teaching them to obey, obey. all that I have commanded. Obedience and commands all, it implies that there is justice. Yeah, they're all intertwined with justice. So mm-hmm. this is important. So the statement again goes on and says um, that we are image bearers and we live. Uh, we are to live justly in this world. I think there's a. I think there's a conversation that um, we would benefit from having uh, more, uh, a little bit more in depth, and that is the conversation that says we are created bearing the image of God. But sin has destroyed that image. What I mean by this is not that, not that in some sense we still have that image. We do. That's important. But um, everything we do, we can't say, therefore, I'm being like God. Because our nature has been 
tainted by sin. So it's, it's back to C.S. Lewis's statement, right, that God is love, but you can't make the mistake of saying that love is God. Because if you do that, love becomes, love is defined by people any way they want, and therefore that becomes God. That's not who he is. Love can be defined as a fit of passion for some, right? More in a term used in the New Testament called eros. But God is not a fit of passion, no. right? God is love. There is something about this. So, so God's image in us, God is just, just. He is a just God. Um, therefore, if we are to be just in any way, we need to shed that sinful peace. We need, to, we need to get out from under the tainting of sin, which is only done through Christ's blood, and get back to God's definition of justice, which is why it just seems a common sense to me that we can't define justice ourselves, just like we can't define love ourselves. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, look at what happens with it. Does that make sense to you? Yes. So, any thoughts on that? Well, I was just thinking, and I know some of the scriptures you wanted to read, and it's not exactly in order, but the Micah 6-8 passage keeps coming okay. to my mind. Yeah, go um, for it, read it. Can we go ahead and read yeah, that Yeah, just go for it. So the passages that we'll, we'll talk about today are Genesis 18-19, Isaiah 61-8, Micah 6-8, Matthew 5-17-19, through 19, and Romans 13-1-2, and 2. but for right now, Micah 6-8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Hmm. So, to me, that just shows us God's heart and desire for all of righteous living. And this obviously is Old Testament. His desire was that they would do it even then under the law, but they couldn't. But now that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, Jesus came, gave us an example. Then he left and said, now you go do it. I showed you what to do. Now you go do it. And I'm going to give you my spirit so that you can. Right. I think, think too, in an Old Testament, through an Old Testament lens, um, we... All were not empowered by the Spirit of God, but the call in the Old Testament is is quite the same as it is in the New Testament, and that is to live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If that's true now, it was true then, because God is immutable, right? He, he's unchanging. And so if, if, uh, if you cannot please God without faith, in the Old, in the old Covenant, what was messed up was that God still said, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Um, You were to do that by faith, and you were also to allow your relationship with God to be governed by faith. That when you messed that whole thing up, when you weren't uh, acting in in a just fashion, which is which is impossible for us, right? Like uh, full time, flawlessly, we just we keep screwing it up, right? And then Jesus comes and He redeems us, and the old man is dead, and and there's still some battle there. But the point is, is that He wanted them to walk by faith in those commands in Micah six eight, and He wanted them them to live by a relationship by faith in Him that said, "I chose you." 
<laughs> right? Yeah. I'm not going to unchoose you in, in just in a second, but it, you you have to live by faith. You have to trust that this is true for me. And so um, when it comes to our current conversation on social justice uh, through a redeemed lens, we still are governed by this question that says, if we're to do justly or to to walk justly, who defines that? Yeah, there has to be a, a plumb line, if you will, something that everybody knows to follow. Right. Otherwise, it's arbitrary and there is no truth. And that is honestly a big issue today is that people want to define their own truth. Well, truth in its very essence, there has to only be one or it's not true. Right. It seems that we're setting people up for anarchy more than we're setting them up for freedom. So it's like, there's no standard. You get to make it up at the old Testament, you know, records in the waywardness of the people of Israel or the people of the world in those times as uh, uh, identifying them this way. And they did what was right in their own eyes. And, and although that sounds appealing to a people, uh, today, do you get to do that's actually what we said to people you know you be you the the truest form of you is when you're being yourself no the truest form of you is when you're redeemed and you're reflecting the image that you were created in that's the truest you but what we've what we've said to the world is uh, do what's right in your own eyes well Mm-hmm. logically, this doesn't make sense. What happens when doing what is right in your own eyes means that you get to walk into my house? Well, you're my wife, but, but <laughs> you, you know, somebody gets to walk into my house any day and eat my food and, and you, know, uh, you know, take my stuff and do all this other stuff. It's like, hold, hold on a second. You're doing what's right in your own eyes, but it's not right in my, my eyes, mm-hmm. which means I'm going to react and you're going to keep trying to press in, and now we're going to have a conflict. We're going to have a problem. Justice, undefined by one who is perfectly just, uh, is just going to—it's going to derail. You were talking about this, and you said basically we're creating a, a condition for anarchy. Yes. More than anything. Yeah. Uh, although people want to t- retitle it, of course, true, true freedom or whatever. Right. right. Uh, we were just reading, actually, in Bible study this morning, um, and we were reading in Second Timothy about what the end times would look like, what people would do, what their attitudes would be. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1. 2 Timothy 3, 1. At least in, in my translation, it calls it perilous times, because anarchy is perilous. Right. Isn't it? Right. <laughs> it says... But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Here's what it looks like. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Right. To me, that sounds like anarchy. Yeah, very much. You take justice is... away, you take away right and wrong, and you take away uh, what justice is, that implementing of yeah. punishment when wrong is done. Right. You take that away, this is what you get. Yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> this is a, re- a revert to the Old Testament, right? Doing what is right in our own eyes. But yes. look what happens with yeah. that. You could be a lover of money, but now you're a lover of my money. And so you want socialism. You want to distribute my money, which doesn't I'm make sense. I'm also greedy and but I want that, to take your money away from that, you. That's the point. <laughs> that's what people don't understand about socialism. The, the form of godliness that they think they see in it is that everything is fair. The form of ungodliness that is present in it is envy. You have what I think I should have, so it should all be equal. Nobody sees that. Because I actually want what you worked hard for. I want what for. you worked hard for. Or lovers of self. Lovers of self is, is the great sin, right? We, we just want to do what's right. Um, it, it's really, it's really uh, staggering to, to think about that in these days, dark times, it's when justice goes away. It's when when people don't want justice, when justice disappears, that we that we enter into this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's exactly where we are. And so the point, again, the point of this general topic on social justice is to, is not to take every uh, piece of social justice at its face value and analyze it according to a biblical model. We should do that. What we are saying is, if all that you have is that which you create in your heart, in your mind, based on your emotional instability today, it's not justice. You're not a good gauge for this. And so maybe let's say that let's say the social justice movement decides to stand really strong on that that people should not be judged by the color of their skin but rather the content of their character. I can look at that okay. and say amen. Because, because I see that in here. Because I see that first in what God said. But if you tell me that justice means the redistribution of wealth because some people are uh, not as privileged or that you judge a, a, a race, but like this is what's funny about people should be judged on the one side. People should be judged by the content of their character and not by the color, color of their skin. And the social justice movement says, you horrible white men. <laughs> like both things are coming out of their mouth and they don't hear it. Yeah. Like it's like talking That's to our daughters. <laughs> it's like talking to our daughters. They say things and you're going, you don't even hear yourself. It doesn't make sense, yeah. right? So, we what we're what we're really getting at in the heart of this is that if we're a people who do justly, it's justice according to God. It's not justice according to me because I'm not good at it either. And I think this is where Christians need to be very careful. Um, that we're not saying all we want is for our morality, our just measures to be put in place. Um, We want God's just measures to be put in place and his morality, and we want that because there is blessing in it. We don't just want to sit atop our mountain and say, we got it our way, we're right here. That, That wouldn't help anybody. We need to see the beauty of what God has called us to. Right. So he, you know, they go on in this, in this statement, um, to live justly in the world. This includes showing appropriate respect to every person and giving to each one what he or she is due. Um, justice is giving a person what they are due. Whether it it's is, good or bad. Right, yes. It is not get equality. 
right? Equal distribution across the board. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't make any sense. This is, we've, we've laughed about this, uh, you and I together, about um, the everybody gets a trophy concept. Yeah. Um, and the, the problem here is, as I see it, the problem is multifaceted. Number one, uh, everybody, getting, everybody getting a trophy is not being just. Some people are getting what they do not deserve. And then the second thing that I observe is that while we're all talking about, as like the movie we watched with the girls the other night, uh, Kronk's New Kronk's Groove, great, yeah. we're yeah. so far behind because we can't find good things to watch. But, um, but in that, it's it's all about fun. That's what we that's what we say. It's not about winning or losing. It's all about the fun. It's all it's all about the joy that you find inside of this. And although parents but have, there cre- might be a truth in that. You need to have fun in what you do, I think. If you've set a competition, it is about winning. Yes. That's the this point the of point, the game. Though. What I observe, though, and I, I know that I'm not original in this, but what I observe is that while um, while the parents are preaching the doctrine of it's all about fun and not about the competition, the kids in their mind are keeping score. And when they lose, they cry. Why that emotional reaction? Because they lost in their mind. Mm -hmm. They lost in their mind because they're keeping score. (laughs) There is nothing wrong with noticing that this person is better at something than that. In our modern world, it is because all people need to be equal. But the truth is, I mean, even in the Old Testament, we have we have people who are generals over thousands and generals over hundreds and generals over fifties. And I believe that that has a lot to do with the particular giftings that they had. You see what I'm saying? I think certain people were called out and chosen by God for particular purposes. But if we mold that with the New Testament, what we understand is that every part of the body is needed, although some have uh, more fanfare. Mm-hmm. Right? Some some get seen all the time. The face it's it's that is the that's the billboard to the body. But you know that the back spot of your knee, like who who sees this unless you're wearing shorts or something, right? So, but but we need all these parts, right? What about all the things nobody sees, the internal pieces? And so um, all of this comes down to what a person is due. They they need to get what they're due. And, And we all believe this when it comes to a justice for somebody who has offended us or hurt us. We want them, in that moment, we want them to get what is due them. But when we do wrong... Well, be lenient on me. We want things to be equal. I didn't mean it like that. Yes. So judging people by their mm-hmm. actions while judging ourselves by our intentions. We we love to yeah. do this. Okay. So what is due is a big deal and we we need to be that people. Social justice doesn't doesn't have that at its heart. It has equality and a and a perverted version of equality at its core. We affirm that societies must establish laws to correct injustices that have been imposed through cultural prejudice. Will you turn to uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2? Romans 13. It says this. It says, well, why don't you read it from yours because I'm using a different translation, but read it. 
Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authority that exists are appointed by God. Verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Verse 3, 2. No, but every, every line in this, every word in this, is interconnected with this idea that, yes, a person is to be subject to a governing authority, and that is a human institution, but no authority has been established except that which is from God. Now, uh, the hard question is, does that mean all authorities always obey God? No. No. We've seen this through regimes in, in modern history that have committed atrocities that are unparalleled, right? The, the evils, true evils, and even those who don't want to agree with God's morality look at it and say, man, that was evil. That was horrible, right? yeah. So you can have a government established by God and not have that government always obey God. And in that case, I think correction is due. We see this throughout the Old Testament. I think we also uh, blend when God says there's no governing authority that has been established except for that which is established by God, we automatically put a face and a name to it. Instead of God established the German government, which is what that would say, we think God established Hitler. Yeah. I'm not and sure we're reading that, that correctly. God approves of what Hitler did. Right. And then not so. No. And the same thing with God could have, uh, God did, according to this, God did have his hands, not in a, um, you know, a manifest destiny sort of way, but had his hands in the establish of the American culture. Um, did God put Donald Trump in office? No, <laughs> people did. Not me, because I didn't vote for him. But, uh, but that's, that's an important reality. We blend the, the, the face with the, uh, with the um, authority established by God. And I think we need to be careful uh, with our understanding of that. Because then, again, we think God established Hitler. Yeah. Uh, think it, in general, means God establishes governments to that's the, that's what have uh, and create... Right and wrong. A system of maintaining order. Yes. And of course, it's, it's going to look, it looks different here in America than it does in China. And, and praise God for that. And I don't think that God necessarily approves of the way that, you know, say dictators. Always lead. Always do their leading. Yes, without that. However, their government is meant to lead and keep order. Right. Understanding that even it's, when this was written, Romans, uh, we've got... <clears throat> we've got people yeah. under the reign of Nero. Nero. And, and so you're going, hold on, wait. It didn't say be subject to Nero or God has established Nero. But that governing authority was established by God. And if it goes wrong, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Right. I think what people <laughs> We also don't give space for that either, that God can correct take those things. the American government, for example, because we change presidencies. Of course. 
you know, I mean, the presidency, the, the office is, is there, there. But the name changes every four years. The name changes every four years or every eight right. at the most. Uh, and so that's our system, how we've done it, so that it cannot turn into a mm-hmm. dictatorship. That, that's a human... I'm not sure we're... <laughs> not sure we're keeping this. <laughs> that, but that, that's a human uh, decision yeah, no doubt. in that. Because, you know, maybe they, they've compared it with other governments or whatever. Um, you know, and, and different from, uh, say, a... a um, Dictatorship? Like, no. K- kings and queens and what's that called? <laughs> Sorry, you're you're stumping <laughs> me now. Never mind. What what is the form of government yes. governance? Um, I keep wanting to say a theocracy, but no, that's, that's not it. That's God. Is I in know control. <laughs> that would be the uh, best one. Well, it can it can be a dictatorship. Anyways, I'm that just rambling, would, but that's yeah. You get my point. Absolutely, absolutely. So in this, it's interesting. God is establishing authorities. He's establishing authorities for a purpose. Um, Governing authorities, for there is no authority except for from God, and those which exist are established by God. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. That is, you've resisted being under governance. That's what you're resisting, right? And so what you, the, the sin here is that you're saying God shouldn't have done it this way, mm-hmm. right? And then he goes on, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Uh, it is verse 3 that says, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior. That's, that is in the best case scenario. That's the, that's the point. But for evil... Do you, uh, do you want to have no fear of authority? Well, then do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Now, of course, we can take this and say, yeah, but I've, I've experienced an extreme of this. I've experienced the opposite of this. Therefore, therefore it's all wrong, you right? It's, yeah. You know, you're, you can't throw it all You're out. appealing to, uh, it's this fallacy we've been talking about lately, you know, you're appealing to uh, a special case in this, right? You, like, right. okay, my case was I saw a bad situation, therefore none of this is true. That, that's illogical. It yeah. doesn't follow. Right. All right. So, so in this, we have Romans 13, 1 and 2, and, and what that means is that governing authorities are established to bring about justice. But that justice, if it's established by God, implies something. The justice is God's. The justice is not just man-made nonsense. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it can manifest itself in very interesting ways. Um, we, may, we may have a context that requires us apply justice a certain way. The Old Testament is filled with this idea that says, you know, hey, if this happens, here's what you should do. But if this happens, you don't you don't do the same, you don't go through the same course of action. You alter it just a bit and you, and you go this route. So, so we need to understand that this, uh, this, that, um, societies must establish laws to correct injustices. Governing authorities do that. Societies do that, but they have to be based on God's laws. Mm-hmm. Otherwise we have a real problem. Mm-hmm. The denials I think are where we really get into some fun stuff. Um, 
True justice can be culturally defined. We, def- we deny that true justice can be culturally defined or that standards of justice that are merely socially constructed can be imposed with the same authority as those that are derived from Scripture. It's plain and simple. You could make up a thousand laws, but they cannot be imposed in my life the same way that God's can be. There's, a, there's an eternality to God's justice, His laws, uh, there is a temperance, to, or uh, not a temperance, but a temporal state, like it's, it's temporal. It's not going to last forever. And so you, your laws are not the same, and they can't be imposed that way. Plus, we're fickle, right? Today I'm mad, so I want to impose execution. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow, yeah, no. tomorrow I thought it through, um, uh, but it's too late. I was already at this off-with-the-head kind of uh, mindset. So uh, we deny that justice can be culturally defined. Why, why, what are some other reasons why justice cannot be culturally defined? Because everybody's going to have a different standard. Why does everybody have a different standard? Probably because their center of morality is different based on whether or not they're Christian or yeah. not Christian but or... That's where I'm going. This benefits me, and that doesn't benefit me. Where is our center of morality gone? It's gone away from God as the center of morality because we're fallen. All of this hinges on the fall. And and the denial of that, that man is not fallen, has not sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. To deny that... um, takes away the foundation for which uh, a lot of these principles are understood. And so if I take away this idea that I'm fallen or broken in any way, I can say, well, my morality is pure. No, it's hmm. not. Says who? No, it's not. And you can see how impure we are just by studying four-year-olds because they are awful. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so let's keep going with it. Like, um, So we deny that, that justice can be culturally defined that it is mere, merely socially constructed. Then um, that second line, we further deny that Christians can live justly in the world under any principles other than the biblical standard of righteousness. Why? Why can't we as Christians live truly in a just fashion under the world's laws? Well, they'll be flawed if they're simply human-made by... Right you know, human understanding or whatever. Because they will constantly be changing. So the laws will... The con- laws will be changing. The, the standards will be changing. Okay. But, I mean, we, but why does that Im- impact us living justly? Well, they won't follow God's ways. Why does that impact us living justly? They won't live God's ways. How, give me a scenario where, where they've set up a law and therefore we can't live according to God's standards. The world has established a law. We must obey them. But God says otherwise. And now, in order to obey the culture, we have to disobey God. Well, then you don't obey the culture. But that's my point. What the, the point of this denial is to say that if we are to live justly according to God's standards, we can't do that when you impose human justice on us and not godly justice. For example, 
if the, if, uh, if the world says that um, you must accept abortion, you must accept that it, this is not about murder, because we're going to redefine this nonsense. This is not about murder. This is about family planning and a woman's right to reproduce the way she wants to or right not to. Uh, a woman's, a woman's um, and this, get, of course, gets us all in trouble, but a woman's uh, right to enjoy the pleasures of sexual intercourse and all of those things, but to deny the consequent, to deny the reality of what it could produce. But instead of denying oneself, we can kill a baby. But you jump out and you say, I will not do this and it is wrong to do so. You have violated their standard of justice and now you're a bigot. You're a, you know, you're a, you're a prejudiced. You're not. You're they not. They will label you That's that the way. Point. And, and we have to get to the place where we're okay. Yes. Or at least it's always probably going to hurt. Yeah. But when I say you have to be okay, what I mean is it can't stop you. Right. It must not stop you. So, for example, let's say you're a Christian in China. And if it gets to the place where you get sent to prison because it's actually illegal to own a Bible. So be it. Are you willing to go to prison for it? Right. So let's go or with... do you just not fill yourself with the course. Word of God anymore? So let's go with the thing that, that we would be... Let's go with an action we might be forced to. You're a Christian. You're living in China. And we've all heard um, some version of this idea that um, if you have more than one daughter, you know, it's, you, you, you kill the daughter because sons are, sons are prestigious and, and that's it. And the population problem is there. So you're a Christian and you have all daughters. God says you, you're not, you can't, thou shalt not murder. See, the point is their social justice is a, it is in direct violation to the plan that God would have for us. We cannot murder, which means you would have to, uh, you'd have to face judgment for that. The, the point of this denial is that we deny that Christians can live justly in a world under any principles other than godly principles because at some point there's going to be a conflict. Some point we're going to butt heads. And what happens when we butt heads? Well, we're going to end up going to jail because we're not going to live according to the world's standards. Again, we're still back to this idea that if we let everybody do what's right in their own eyes and define justice their own way, um, we don't know which way is up, right? We, we can't figure this mm -hmm. thing out. Last denial uh, is this, that relativism, socially constructed standards of truth or morality, and notions of virtue and vice that are constantly in flux cannot result in authentic justice. When you do what's right in your own eyes, it's different from me doing what's right in my own eyes, and we can't hit the target. That's no. the point. And so we deny that relativism is a good way by you know a good way to live. We deny that socially constructed standards. The point here is that no movement of people is allowed to establish the social constructs. Either there, either uh, you know, I believe it was Lewis, C.S. Lewis, who said, um, either Christianity is uh, of of the utmost importance, or it is ir irrelevant. It cannot be of little importance, right? Either God's standard of justice is the standard of justice. 
or we should throw it away, but you can't use it as one more form of justice. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't have it as one more idea inside of our world because what you're saying is God's not really God. He's not really just. He's not really the one that right. uh, is true. I think that's where a lot of this redefining of terms comes in because it's ultimately man's rebellion against Absolutely. God's ways, against God's standard. And they don't want to, and maybe at a certain point they can't argue it anymore. Right. So they're like, well, we'll just change the definition of the words and yes. we'll be good. Yes. And, and you can, and, and all of that is based on your uh, fancy that day. <laughs> change the definition of love until I find out it comes back to bite me. And then I'll change it again. And I'll change it again. And I'll change it again. So that's or when you can say have... love is. Yes. Love is, 1 Corinthians 13. That's too definitive, though. And that leaves some people out. Right. And this is why we're <laughs> dealing, this is why... Um, this is why relativism, uh, socially constructed standards of truth, that's why they can be summed up in in effectively saying um, these people want to believe there are no absolutes. Well, jump off a skyscraper and we'll see which absolute takes effect. It's called gravity. And the same thing is true for justice, Mm -hmm. whether people um, know it. Or not. So this has been this has been a good conversation. There's there's more scriptures. I'm just going to encourage everybody to go over Genesis 18:19 and Isaiah 61:8 themselves. But um, uh, it really is a this is a subject for the ages. Uh, but the truth is, it's I believe that since we are fallen, uh, this is going to be a subject who re- that rears its head uh, constantly, right? And and we're going to we're always in the battle of do we, do we trust God or do we just lean on our own understanding? how far are ourselves? you willing to go? Yeah, it's a great question to end it with. So thank you for listening to this episode of The State. Uh, I encourage you to click the subscribe button and hit the bell icon so that you can be notified when new uh, YouTube videos are posted. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play, and the links will be in the description below. Uh, Until next time, when we talk about God's law and sin, have a great week. From everlasting to everlasting, I got you raised, I got you raised.